Good morning. Good morning, Kavanaugh. Okay, I see a ton of y'all out there. Come on in. We're going to begin worship. We're going to start with Sing Wherever I Go. We need your help. Awesome, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? You all be seated for just a, like 30 seconds. You guys doing great? Hey, if that song doesn't got, have you smiling right now, this baby should. He's cute. Look at him. He said he wanted to come up and do welcome today. So, welcome, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Good. Hope everyone had a great weekend. But seriously, we are so thankful that you're here. Very glad that you came back to worship along with us and celebrate what our Savior has done for our lives. I'm so thankful for that change. I don't know about you, but God has made me into a, a brand new person. I'm so thankful that I have been redeemed, all right? So let's continue to celebrate this morning, all right? So let's all stand right back up and ask God's anointing for the rest of our services. So glad that you're here. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and again, so thankful you brought us back to this place, a very special place to us, God. We love our church, and it's our church 
for life. We're so thankful for all the ministries and the people that we have here that's going on here, God. So thankful for the work that you're doing through our church, and we just ask for your continued blessings. God, as we meet here this morning, we ask for your uh, continued anointing on our services today as the worship team continues to lead us in praise, God, and as we celebrate, God, and most importantly, as your word is preached, that our hearts are ready to receive it, that we hear it, and we walk out of this place changed, that we can bear a light, your salvation, to this world and be able to lead people to you. We love you so much, Lord, and again, thank you for all that you've done for us in your name. Amen. Brother Steve, welcome to the stage. You all can be seated. <laughs> yeah, this is a little bit out of my comfort zone, but here I am. Good morning. It's my privilege to stand before you this morning and represent everybody in showing our appreciation for all of our pastors. We've got a wonderful team. They all care about each other. They all care about us, and it doesn't matter if you're 6, 12, 80, you can talk to any of the pastors just because they have a special area. They're all pastors, and they all do a wonderful job. And right now, we want to honor each one of them for all their years of service here. And uh, first of all, we have Devin and his wife, Catherine. Devin does all the IT work and keeps all the screens running and too much other stuff for me to even mention. So he does a wonderful job, and he has married a great helper. She, she had, we put her to work up there. And she's become a big part of the team in the sound room. I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Next of all, we got Nathan and Shawnee, and he's got the to me, the toughest job, corralling the teens, but he loves it and does a great job. Thank you, Shawnee. You, you want his, too? Yeah, okay, okay, appreciate you. And then we got Ray and Charlotte. It says that Ray's been here 19 years, but really he's been here about 59 years. Ray does our prime timers and lots of other stuff. Ray's a a great man, and Charlotte's a great helper and a great wife. We appreciate them. You're getting around better. Getting around better today, ain't you? Here we go. Thank you very much. Johnny Miller and Gail. They got too many ministries to count. Johnny leads our kids. Gail leads our ladies ministry and together they do all kinds of stuff and we appreciate them thank you gail thank you johnny appreciate you jason and joy jason gives us all the stories about the four boys i'd like to be a fly in the wall at their house i'm telling you that that's got to be a circus i had one and that was all i could handle Jason was our youth pastor for years, but now he's our executive pastor and does a great job. And Joy, I know, helped him a bunch. Thank you very much. Angie, wonderful job. We couldn't find a better worship leader, music minister, whatever it is. 
It's a, it's a fan, fan, fantastic job, and everybody loves it. Thank you very much. And our number one pastor, the, the guy that assembled this wonderful team, we couldn't do without, leads and feeds. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Will. I appreciate you. I hope that not only do we pat them on the back or tell them they did a good sermon, but I hope most of all that every one of you pray for each one of them every single day. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I told the, uh, I told the first service, and I'm going to tell you, you make our jobs easy. Uh, it, it, it really is. It's a lot easier to pastor a great church, and Kavanaugh is a great church. Give yourself a big hand. You're the best there is. Kavanaugh Church, my church for life. Thank you, church staff. Give them another huge hand. Appreciate them. You guys can uh, go down and be the We appreciate you appreciating us, all right? Remain standing. We're just going to keep worshiping the Lord today. Glad that you're here. For those of you watching online, join in and sing with us today. God bless you.
big hand. They always do great, man. Appreciate their uh, hard work and their labor. You know, you gave us appreciation today. We couldn't do what we do without you. I mean, honestly, uh, Miss Angie's great at what she does, uh, but uh, it's her team that leads us in worship. And uh, all of you have a particular ministry at Kavanaugh Church, and I want you to know 
that we appreciate you. In fact, I, I was told that today was going to be Pastor Appreciation Day, and I'm preaching through this series of Joshua, but I decided just to take a break today and kind of flip it around, and instead of having a Pastor Appreciation Day, why don't we have a Church Member Appreciation Day? Eh? Because I appreciate you. Give yourself a big hand, because you make Kavanaugh a great church. I, I told the first service... Uh, Kavanaugh is, is not perfect, okay? This is not a perfect church because you're here, and so am I, okay? And, and, and we make things imperfect because we are imperfect people. But you know, Kavanaugh is a great church, and, and let me just quote this, this song, you're close enough to perfect for me, all right? <laughs> Honestly, God has chosen us and blessed us, and, and, and we are being blessed by God's presence and power at this season in our church's life. And I am so thankful that Kavanaugh is my church for life. How about you? Are you? Fantastic. So today what I've decided to do is just, just kind of take a snapshot of a healthy church. What does a healthy church look like? Now, I've traveled around the country, been in, in hundreds, if not thousands of different churches, and I can often sense, after being in a church only for a few minutes, whether that church is healthy or unhealthy. Because churches are just like people in that way. And you can often tell just by looking at them or being around them for a while whether they are in a good condition or questionable health. And so today I want to take us to Acts chapter 6 where we see a very healthy church. How do we know? Well, we look at the marks of a vibrant church that are listed here in Acts chapter 6. And as we examine this, I want us to be reflecting and thinking, is that us? Are we reading about Kavanaugh Church? And in the ways we are deficient of having a healthy church, let's bring our health up to date today. Are you with me? So here are the marks of a healthy church. The first mark is that a healthy church is a growing church. We are reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. It tells us in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. Other translations use the word multiplying. D did you know that healthy things have a tendency to grow? Because that's the way God made them. So a healthy plant is going to grow, a healthy puppy is going to grow, a healthy child is going to grow. And you can't keep it from growing when it's healthy, and you give it everything it needs. I told, again, first service, I'll, I'll quit saying I told first service, right? I'll just quit saying that. But I did tell first service that every single day my oldest daughter, Whitney, uh, gives us multiple updates throughout the day of how our grandchildren are doing, all right? We get, we get pictures, we get videos, FaceTime, phone calls. Uh, we see it on Facebook. Not, not just once a day, we get multiple updates every day, all right? And I know I've got, I got two grandchildren, Ella Jane's uh, two going on three. Uh, Archer Graham is a little over one year old. I know that Archer Graham is, is healthy because that, that boy is, I mean, he's huge and he's growing and he's doing some, some pretty amazing stuff. He's, he's just a big kid. We call him Mike, Mike Tyson, because he's, man, he's a brute. He, he really is. In fact, he's already been kicked out of three Sunday school classes 
at the church they go to. First one, they kicked him out because he escaped. He got out the door and took off down the hallway. The other two, they, they took him out of the church because he was manhandling the other kids. He was roughing them up. He's Mike, right? He's just a big boy, and he's healthy. And because he's healthy, he's growing. And did you know the church is no different in that regard? If a church is healthy, it's going to grow, and the gates of hell aren't going to be able to stop it. Because God blesses things that are healthy. Uh, one of the hallmarks of the church in the book of Acts is its growth. They went from 12 disciples to 70 to 3,000 to 5,000 to multiplied disciples and multiplied churches. In fact, the entire book of Acts is about the rapid expansion of Christianity and the fast growth of the church of Jesus Christ. Here in the United States, churches are not growing. <laughs> in fact, for the first time in our history, churches are on the decline. And can I just stop right here and say, church, we need to be praying for America. Amen. Our country is in a mess, and it is getting worse every day. And, and I, don't want to, I don't want to get political, and I'm not getting political. I'm just speaking the fact. We are in a mess we are no longer honoring the things of God. In fact, we are doing the exact opposite of what God tells us in his word. And we are going to be facing the wrath of God unless things turn around. And the only hope that America has is for a revival. We need the power of God to come down on America and on politicians and people and churches. We need to stand up as the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I didn't mean to say all that, but it needed to be said. Did you know that for the past 80 years, they have been keeping scientific research on churches? How many people claim to go to church? How many people actually go to church? And for the first time in 80 years, America's membership in houses of worship has dropped below 50%. A survey by Gallup finds that in 2020, only 47% of Americans said that they attend church on a weekend. That is down from 50% in 2018 and down from 70% in 1999. That is a rapid decline. Yet in the same time period from 1999 to 2021, America has grown in population over 18%. So we are not only losing people in the church, we're not even keeping up with population growth. It is a serious problem. Well-known church researcher and guru, Tom Rayner, who is a friend of ours, notes that the failure of churches to keep up with the population growth is one of the church's greatest issues heading into the future. Pre-COVID, Rainer's research team discovered that only 6% of churches in America were growing. And here's how he defines growing. He defined growth as not only increasing in attendance, but also increasing at a pace that is faster than your community's population growth rate. So however fast Fort Smith is growing we need to be above that rate in order to be considered a growing church. 
stated inversely, 94% of the churches in America are losing ground in the communities in which they serve, so says Tom Rainer. That's serious business. In fact, look at me. We cannot start churches faster than we're losing churches. And all of this is done pre-COVID. COVID has changed everything. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm just going to sip. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. I am just sick of COVID. Anybody else sick of COVID? I'm, I'm sick of COVID. It, 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 it has become an excuse, all right? And I'm ready, I'm ready for everything. But you know what? I don't know what the normal is going to be because COVID has changed everything. It has changed the way we do church. And here's what Tom Rainer has found out. And, and I hope you don't get bored with church guru statistics, but this, this is fascinating to me. Because as I look out on the horizon of the church, he's right in everything he's saying. He is giving these percentages, 30, 40, 30. Okay, 30%, 40%, 30%. And here's what Tom Rainer says. Pre-COVID, whatever your number was... Right now, post-COVID, or where we are in COVID, you're running 30% less than what you were running pre-COVID. So if you're a church of 500 when all of this started, right now you've lost about 150 people. And you know what? He's right. Because I talk to preacher friends all over the United States, and the number is somewhere between 25 and 35% of people that most churches have lost that they haven't gotten back. And what Tom Rainer says is these people aren't coming back. You've lost them. They may have been marginal to begin with, but, but they're just not coming back. They're, they have become unchurched people. And for a lot of them, watching online is a whole lot easier than getting up and coming, so you're never going to see them again. Then 40%. 40% of your church that you had pre-COVID has now become what he calls marginal in their attendance and in their commitment. So if you're running 500, you've got 200 people who if pre-COVID were coming to church three or four Sundays a month, now they're only going to show up one or two Sundays a month. And don't ask them to do anything because they're not going to do anything. They're just going to show up once a month, and that's enough. And then the 30%, 30, 40, 30. 30% of your 500, which is 150 people, are more committed today than they were pre-COVID. They realize what's going on. And so they've, they've stuck with the mothership, and they're not going to abandon ship. They're not going to become missing in action. They're there, and they're doing everything they can do. That's the world in which we live in as far as churches go. It is a serious, serious problem. Churches are shutting daily. Therefore, Kavanaugh Church, look at me. We must find a way to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes... We need to find a way to keep growing. No matter how uncomfortable that makes us, we need to reach people for Jesus. Because let me tell you, when you are a growing church, you are going to become uncomfortable. Things are going to change. It has to change. 
One of the reasons churches don't want to grow is that the people in the church don't want to give up their power or their leadership or anything to change for them. Therefore, they want everything to stay the same. When a church is growing, nothing stays the same. Cavanaugh Church, we have to continue to grow until Jesus Christ comes back. That's the obligation God has given to us. The second thing that we notice about the church is its diversity. Not only is, is growth a hallmark of the church, diversity is as well. Look at verse 1 again. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. And the reason there was this complaint is because now there is diversity in the church. It's growing. And how is it growing? Well, there's different groups of people with different backgrounds and different histories and a different way of looking at things and a different culture coming together and melting together to become the church. And it's specific here by talking about the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. I don't want to bore you, but let me just explain what it's talking about here. It's talking about two groups of Jewish people in culture. There were two different groups. The, the Hebraic Jews were those who stayed in Israel instead of immigrating to other nations. And they were Jewish to the core. I mean, they looked Jewish. They talked Jewish. They dressed Jewish. They smelt Jewish. They didn't take on any of the worldly habits of the other nations. They didn't go to places like gymnasiums or bathhouses like the Romans did. They didn't participate in athletic competitions because the athletes didn't wear a whole lot of clothing. They didn't name their children Greek-sounding names. They didn't follow the dress and the cultural trends of the international world. They acted and dressed and talked and thought like Jews and nothing but Jews. But there was another group of Jews that were the Grecian Jews or the Hellenistic Jews. These people had been dispersed among the nations, and they had a, a different, broader outlook on things. They did go to gymnasiums. They did go to bathhouses. They did participate in athletic events. They did name their children Greek-sounding names. In fact, they spoke Greek and dressed and acted and talked like Hellenists or Greeks. And so you got this Hebraic Jew and this Hellenistic Jew, and they're walking down the street towards each other. They had such a different mindset and were from such a different culture, they may not have even talked to each other when they walked by. Even though they were Jews, they were totally, they had a different worldview. They lived in a different culture. And now, all of a sudden, some of these Hebraic Jews and some of these Hellenistic Jews got saved. They became Christians. And now they're together in a church. And really, the only thing that is common between them is their new commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. I'm telling you, you got two elements here, two elements of a healthy church, growth and diversity. Growth brings about complications and change. 
I didn't really talk too much about that a while ago, but it does. It really does. Things change when we grow. We don't like change. <sighs> Can you believe somebody's sitting in my chair? That happens with growth, diversity, complication, change. Diversity produces tension and stress. Really, diversity does. When you're around somebody that doesn't think like you think, talk like you talk, have the same worldview that you have, there's going to be tension and stress. And when you put these two together... Growth and diversity. You know what you have? A plate full of problems right there. And interestingly enough, that's the third indicator of a healthy church. A healthy church is going to have problems. Mark it down. They're going to have problems. The problems are created by the growth and the diversity. Because you know what we are? Imperfect people. Let's look at chapter 6, verse 1 again. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, there arose this complaint against the, against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their what? Widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now, <clears throat> what that is going to need is a little explanation, all right? What's happening here is these, these women in the church were in need of daily provision. In New Testament times, a woman who has lost her husband and her children was in a strait. They, they were in, in big trouble. Why? Because there was no social security in those days. There was no retirement plans. There, were, there was no savings account. There was not any kind of governmental program that's going to take care of these, these widows. So if you were an aged woman and became incapacitated, you couldn't work, and you didn't have a husband or you didn't have any kids, you didn't know where the next meal was coming from. You might go a day or two or even a week without any bread. And the early church saw this immediately. They knew they had a problem, and so they had an obligation to meet that problem. They realized it was their problem. It wasn't the government's problem or anybody else. They were going to take care of their own. The women in the church who needed food, they were going to provide food. And so they were doing that, a daily distribution of food. But here's the problem. The Hebraic Christians felt maybe more comfortable providing for the needs of the Hebraic Christian widows. And in the process, they were slighting the Hellenistic or Grecian Christian widows. I put it like that because I wanted to think maybe that wasn't the case at all. I don't know. Maybe they just overlooked them. Maybe because they saw the world differently. They were paying favorites with their ladies and neglecting the other. I I don't know exactly how it all came down, but I I know here was the problem. You know what it led to? Complaints. Disruptions. And apparently they didn't have a brother Jason to take their problems to. (laughs) They just went straight to the preacher, all right? That brings me to the next element of a healthy church. And I love this word. Say it with me. One, two, three. Flexibility. Creativity. Adaptability. 
They were willing to be flexible. The, the church and its leaders were flexible enough to develop changes and solutions for their problems. And, and so they organized this continued ministry. They realized, you know what, if we don't fix this problem, if we don't address it, the church is going to split. And they're going to start Fellowship Church right down the street or Harmony or whatever. We, we've got to address the problem. And so they addressed it head on. They, they bore through it. They went over it. They figured out a way to handle the issue. They were flexible. Let's read about it. Chapter 6, beginning in, I think it's verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve the tables. It's what the preachers are saying. It's not God's will. It's not desirable that we stop what we're doing because that's what we're called to do. Minister the word of God. It's not our job to serve tables, to wait on tables. Therefore, brethren... Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we, the preachers, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word of God. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they even laid their hands on them. Now, the word to describe what these men were in charge of was to serve the tables, wait on the tables. You get that? You see that? To serve, serve tables. That word for serve is our English word for deacon. And it says that the apostles laid their hands on them and prayed over them. Jason, they weren't, they weren't ordaining them to be a pastor or an elder. They were praying over them and ordaining them to become what we now know of as a deacon. And let me just say, deacons were not originally ordained to run the church or to tell the preacher what to do and what not to do or what to preach and not what to preach. They were ordained to wait on tables, to serve the older ladies of the church specifically. But in any event, the important thing is to note how a healthy church deals with the problems from growth and diversity. It surveys the difficulty and it devises a solution. We've got a problem here. What's the best way we can fix this problem? Well, let's become flexible enough to fix it. Yeah. Over the last two years, this has become my favorite word. Flexibility. COVID has demanded that we become flexible. And you know what? I know COVID is bad and I'm sick of COVID. I don't even like saying the word. It, it kind of stings in my mouth to say it. I just don't want to say it anymore. But, you know, it, it, COVID has changed everything. But it hasn't all been for the bad. COVID has made this church staff become a little more creative. We've had to work, I don't know if I want to say harder, but we've had to work different in the past two years than we've ever worked before. We've had to become creative. We've had to become adaptable. We have become flexible. And that's not always a bad thing. 
I talked to a friend of mine not long ago that lives on the other side of the, of the United States of America. Here's what he said. He said, Will, my church is stuck in the 70s. And I just kind of waited for an explanation, but he, he went on to, to explain. He says, you know what? 70s was a big time for our church. We had a lot of growth in the 70s, and my people are stuck in the 70s. They think what worked in the 70s still will work today, and they don't want to change a cotton-picking thing because they're still living in the 70s. And I said, well, brother, how's that going for you? He said, we're decaying. We're dying. Your church, look at me. This never changes. This doesn't change. This is eternal. Every, the Bible says, every jot and tittle is true. And Freddie, we're going to keep preaching this no matter what. I don't care what in our world changes. We're not going to get off this. We're going to keep preaching the truth of the Word of God because this is the only thing that's going to set you free. But the way that we do it, the way we express, the way we give it out has got to change. Why? Because we don't live in the 70s anymore. We live in 2021. And so things have got to change. The way we do things has got to change without changing the truth of the Word of God. And we have to have a church that understands, you know what? We've got to be flexible. And... and, and the internet is not of the devil. The devil uses the internet, but we can use it for good as well. Flexibility. We see a problem, we fix the problem. That, that brings me to the next indicator of a healthy church. Am I boring you? Are we bored with it? Hang with me just for a second. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm almost through, but I'm getting closer, all right? I'm two weeks out. That's what I've heard for the last month about our new building over here. Just two weeks away. It does bring me to the next indicator of a healthy church. It's well organized. It is mobilized for ministry. I like that, don't you? I wish that I could go back right now, just take a time capsule back, Jason Armstrong, to, to this first church to see this ministry as it happened. These seven guys, they weren't the only ones involved in doing this ministry. They were in charge of it, but there was a whole army of people distributing food. I mean, there were certain ones that, that would go out and, and talk to the candidates to make sure that they qualified for help. Then they had to go get the food and bring it back in and, and organize it and put it together in sacks or bags or whatever they distributed it in. And then they had to take it out to the people. It, it, was, it must have been a well-oiled machine. And I've thought many times, man, I'd, I'd just like to see that ministry mobilized to see how they did it. And then I got to thinking, you know what? All I have to do is hang around Kavanaugh. Because we do the exact same thing every week. We feed needy people every Monday. But it's a week-long process. There's an army of guys that show up at the church on, on Tuesday. They go to the food bank distribution. They fill up this trailer, back it up to that door. There's another group of guys, an army of guys that's been here for three or four hours drinking all of our coffee, waiting on the trailer to get here, and they unload it. And I'm just joking, okay? I'm just joking right here because I love these guys. What they could do in 30 minutes, it takes them an hour and a half to do because they're waiting 
for one of us to take them to eat lunch. It's what they're waiting on, right? <laughs> but we don't mind because they worked hard. And then somebody else shows up later in the week and they put those boxes together and they tape all the boxes. Then another group comes in and they fill those boxes up. And then on Monday, all these tables are set up and there's, there's traffic all the way around our property of people receiving their boxes. And we've got an army of people taking them out. It is a beautiful thing. It is a well-oiled machine. Watching people in this community receive food from Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church. It, it is absolutely amazing to watch and i'm so proud of our people you know what i don't have anything to do with it it is so well organized and well oiled if i put my hand in there it's just going to mess things up so i just watch and applaud i think it's amazing you know sometimes i run into people who think god doesn't like organization they think that it's more spirit-led to be spontaneous and unplanned but everything that God has ever done is well-planned and thoroughly organized. Look at Moses. What did he do? He organized through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the tribes of Israel. Look at the way Nehemiah organized the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. Look at the order and organization of the planets and the stars in our universe. Look at the ranking and the organization of angels in heaven. My lands, even the Holy Trinity itself has order and organization to it. Our God is an organized God. And every member of Kavanaugh Church needs to be mobilized to do ministry. I, I told you about the food bank while ago. That is just one snapshot of one ministry that we have at Kavanaugh Church. There are literally dozens of ministries that you people do. And that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Amen. You know, my job, you pay me to get you to work. <laughs> literally, that's what, that's what I'm here for. To help you find your spiritual gift. Get you involved in ministry. Because you're the ones who are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. I'm letting that kind of sink in, and you're thinking, okay, am I doing my job? We'll talk about that in a minute, all right? But it leads me to the sixth characteristic of a healthy church. It is leaders who devote themselves to prayer and the Word of God. I want you to look at two verses. First, verse number two. So the 12 preachers gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. I've already talked about that. Just let it sink in. And then in verse 4 they said, And we, that is the preachers, are going to give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. It's as if they were saying, Okay, folks, you're the hands and feet of Jesus. You get out there and do the work of the ministry and me and the other preachers, we're going to spend all of our time praying and preaching because that's what God has called us to do. We pray and preach, you do the work of the ministry. And I don't get a single amen for that. One of, one of, I'm just going to talk to you. for. Can I talk to you just for a second from my heart? This is Pastor Appreciation Day. Would you give me just a minute? One of the most difficult things that I've had to face during my 38 years of pastoring is the changing nature of my role 
as a preacher. In 38 years, th things have changed. Generally speaking, just back up, big picture, pastoring a church has changed multiple times in those 38 years. We, we, we don't do church like we used to do church. And my role has changed. But specifically for Will Harmon, things have changed dramatically in 38 years. The first church I pastored was in Fort Worth, Texas. It was Western Hills Free Will Baptist Church. Angie and I actually moved to Fort Worth to go to seminary. I was a student at Southwestern. When I moved down there, Angie worked at an insurance company in downtown Fort Worth. I got a job as a janitor and maintenance man at an elementary school close to where we lived. A couple of weeks after we had been there, I got a phone call from a guy whose name was Bobby Davis, deacon at the Western Hills Free Old Baptist Church, way on the west side of Fort Worth. I'd never met Bobby. I didn't even know we had a Free Will Baptist Church on the west side of Fort Smith. Somehow or another, Bobby had talked to a guy that, I, if I remember the story right, Dad, that worked with you, and the guy that worked for you told Bobby that your son was at Southwestern and was a preacher. Anyway, he got my phone number from him, and he called me and said, hey, we're without a preacher at Western Hills, haven't had one in several months, and we're about to close the doors. Would you come preach for us? <laughs> Ken and I went on a motorcycle ride years ago, and I took you by that church. Remember that church, Ken? And so that Sunday, Angie and I showed up, and there were, Nathan, there were six people there. Two of them were Angie and I. <laughs> so I preached to four people. They asked me to come back Sunday night, and so I came back. They had apparently gotten on the phone because the congregation had doubled for Sunday night. And after the service was over with, we walked out on the, the porch of Western Hills. There were steps coming up to the front door of the church. And Bobby Davis looked at me, and he said, You know, uh, Brother Will, we like you and Miss Angie. Would you be our pastor? And I said, Well, Brother Bobby, this is kind of sudden, isn't it? Uh, you just met me. I don't... I don't know if you really like me or not. I said, let's do this. Let me preach for you for a month, and then we'll have this conversation again. That next Sunday, they voted me in as pastor. Okay? <laughs> we were there for four years. We grew from six people to 150 in four years. But that first year was, man, it was tough. We didn't, we didn't grow much. Maybe by the end of the year, we were running 30, 35 people at the most. I was a full-time seminary student, but I did everything. And I say that to my fault, but I literally did everything. I taught Sunday school, preached Sunday morning, preached Sunday night, preached Wednesday night. I did all the visitation. I did all the hospital calls. I mowed the grass. I cleaned the church. I cleaned the toilets. I stayed after everybody left and jiggled the handles of them. During spring break, I painted the inside of the church. Literally, I did everything, and they let me. But things have changed. I don't, I don't pastor a church that just runs a handful of people on Sundays. There are over 1,200 people on our li membership list, on our church roll. Now, I know we don't have 1,200 every Sunday, but can I tell you, 1,200 people call Kavanaugh their home. And when they have a problem, they call here. And as the church has grown larger, my role has grown smaller. 
Years ago, God gave me the wisdom and the understanding to know that one person can't do everything. Especially somebody who's not qualified to do everything. Back at Western Hills, those early days, I even, I even provided for them a fellowship meal on Wednesday nights. I thought he'd get more people there. So I said, you come early and I'm going to feed you. And the first Wednesday night, I'd gone to the store and bought things to make submarine sandwiches. And so I had all this stuff laid out and those old ladies came in and they started looking at stuff and they said, what's that for? And I said, well, it's a head of lettuce. It was a head of cabbage. I, I, I had never bought lettuce before. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know what I was. I couldn't even make a submarine sandwich, you know. But what I'm telling you is that there, there are certain things that I don't do well. And I need to get out of the way and let somebody who does it well do it. Amen. I figured out a smart preacher does that. I'm giving you a bunch of preacher junk, but let me give you this. The law of the lid. It's a true law. A church is only, only going to grow to a point where its pastor is. It will only grow where the pastor is. And sometimes the pastor, if he becomes a dictator or a control freak, will stymie the growth of the church because it's not going to go beyond his ability to oversee everything. Therefore, a smart preacher is going to get out of the way and empower others to do things he can't do. And thank God that here at Kavanaugh Church, our leadership, our church board has realized this and allowed us to hire the best church staff there is. I mean that. Now, Free Will Baptists are not huge. There's a couple hundred thousand of us. I, I can't remember the exact number of churches, but you know what? I know just about every Free Will Baptist church. And, and let me tell you, turn, turn online off and the video off when I say this. We have the best church staff of any church there is. Our God, let me tell you, our people are the best at what they do. They're awesome at what they do. And you know what? I let them do it. I mean, I don't do your job. I'm not going to do your job. I certainly don't do your job, and I don't want to do your job. <laughs> let them go with it. And not only that, man, we have a membership that has come to realize the importance of being mobilized for ministry themselves. Now, th that's taken a while. Some of you we've had to push and, and coerce and, and plead with, but you realize, you know what? I've got a job to do, and I need to be doing my job to make this church the best it can be. Thank God for that. So my role as a pastor now, right now as I speak to you, is I only do two things. And maybe I don't do those well, but these are the two things I concentrate on, leading you and feeding you. Amen. When I interviewed 24 years ago, I told the church board, I'm only going to do two things, lead you and feed you. I told the church body that when you hired me. If you're wanting a pastor who's going to do anything other than these two things, you go hire somebody else because I'm just going to do these two things, lead you and feed you. And I might wear shorts on the golf course. I remember saying that. <laughs> Ronnie, you remember that? I did say that, didn't I? Right, right after you hired me, Brother Raymond Cronister was on our staff. I anybody in here remember Brother Raymond Cronister? Brother Raymond actually pastored Kavanaugh years and years ago. He was on our staff 
two different times since I've been here. But he was preaching on Wednesday night, and I'll never forget what Raymond said. He said, Brother Will's job is to lead us and feed us. Our job is to follow and swallow. <laughs> Dude, I thought, man, that's, that's priceless right there. It's and it's a beautiful thing when it actually happens, you know. And as all of this comes together, what, what do we have? Well, we have the seventh and final characteristic of a healthy church. We have a witnessing church. We have a soul-winning church. Look at the result of all this in verse number seven. So the word of God spread. The word of God spread. How did it spread? Well, you, you got some preachers who are leading and feeding, and then you got people who are following and swallowing. And they're gossiping the gospel. So the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Even a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Isn't that absolutely amazing? So here's the bottom line. A healthy church presents an excellent context for evangelism. And its members go forth gossiping the gospel as the Lord opens hearts and soul winning takes place. Let, let me wrap all this up together with a final story. T two times a year, I have to go to Nashville for an international missions board meeting. And, and when I drive through Memphis and get to around Germantown, I always, always, without exception, look off to my right because I want to see Fort God. That's what the truckers call it, Fort God. You know what I'm talking about? Bellevue Baptist Church. If you've ever driven by there, you know what I'm talking about. It looks like a fort out there. It is a huge Baptist church. The, the pastor who built that church and pastored for so many years was Dr. Adrian Rogers. Anybody remember the name? Prince of a preacher. Had a golden tongue. He could really preach the Word of God. In fact, I, I think Angie likes to hear old messages from Adrian Rogers more than she likes to listen to me because every time I get in her car, there's Adrian Rogers is preaching. So, baby, why don't you listen to me? She said, I have to hear you every week. I love to hear Adrian Rogers. Great preacher. Great preacher. I remember hearing the story that Adrian told about how he became a soul winner. Happened when he was a teenager, North Carolina. He was at church on a Sunday night. The pastor was preaching on winning souls for Jesus. And he said, how many of you would become a soul winner? Raise your hand if you would win somebody to Jesus. And Adrian raised his hand. He made a commitment that night that he would be a soul winner. He was a new convert himself, just a teenage boy. had little of no Bible training at all. But he made a commitment, David, I'm going to win souls for God. Not long after that, he was walking down the road. It was a hot day in summertime. He said he only had on a pair of blue Levi's and shoes. He wasn't wearing a shirt. It was so hot. And as he walked, this old man with white whiskers yelled at him. said, hey, hey, son, can I have some money? You got some money to give me. And the old man approached young Adrian, a teenage boy. And here's what he said. He said, I've, I've been an old fool. I get a monthly pension check, and I took my check last week, and I cashed it, and me and a buddy went on a drinking binge. We, all, we bought whiskey with my money, and we stayed drunk for three days, and now I don't have any money. He said, son, could, could you give me some money? And Adrian said, mister, 
If I had some money, I'd give it to you. But I don't have any money. And he turned to start walking down the road. And he said he heard the voice of God. God spoke to his heart. Can we just pause there? Have you ever heard God speak to you? If you're a child of God, he speaks to us. Maybe you need to open your ears to him, but he spoke to Adrian. And he said, but Adrian, you promised that you were going to be a witness for me. And Adrian did what we do. He kind of argued. He said, but God, I don't even have a shirt on. How could I be a witness for you? God said to him, Adrian, you promised. But God, he's an old man. And I'm just a teenage boy. But Adrian, you promised. And so guess what? Adrian turned around. He was nervous as a cat. He said his hands were sweating. His his voice was trembling. But he said to the old man, Mister, I don't have any money to give you. But I believe I have something better than money. Sir, are you a Christian? And he said tears just welled up in this old man's eyes. And his chin started to quiver. And he said, no, son, I'm not a Christian. Adrian said, sir, would you like to be? And he said, son, more than anything. But I don't know how. And Adrian said out loud, I wished I had a Bible. To which the old man said, pulling one out of his pocket, like this? He had found a pocket New Testament the day before. <laughs> Didn't really know what it was. Hadn't opened it. Hadn't read it. That teenage boy found John 3.16. And he read John 3.16 to this old man. And explained it as best he could. Well, what do I need to do? Said the old man. Adrian said, well, I'm going to pray for you, sir. And so he put his hand on the old man's shoulder and prayed for him. And then he said... Sir, would you now pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart? And the old man prayed a sinner's prayer. He asked Jesus to forgive him of his sins, to come into his life, and to change his heart. When he finished praying, Adrian said, Well, did he do it? I think he did, the old man said. Not knowing anything about follow-up, Adrian said, Well, good luck, and I'll see you in heaven. Turned around and started walking away. Hadn't gone very far. The old man said, young man, young man, would you come back? So Adrian stopped and came back. And he said, I'm an old man. I've traveled through almost every state in this country. And I want you to know you're the first person who's ever told me about Jesus. You're the only one who's told me God loves me. You're the only one who's told me how to be saved. Thank you, young man. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. In his testimony, Adrian said that he walked home leaping, dancing, and praising God. (laughs) Because he had led somebody to Jesus. How do you recognize a healthy church? Well, a healthy church is just a bunch of healthy Christians flexible, adaptable, organized, mobilized, well-led, well-fed, and intent on sharing the good news of Jesus with everybody they come in contact with.
That's what we should be. That's what we should be. That's what I pray to God we become. Here's the bottom line, church. God has given us everything we need to be the best church we can be. Here in another month, excuse the way I say this, we ain't got no more excuses. We're going to have everything we need to reach as many people as we can for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ain't living in the 70s anymore. We're going to have new technology that's the best. It's going to be a great experience. We're going to reach families for Jesus and little kids and teenagers because the teenagers, they get this room to grow into. Isn't that awesome? The only way that we're not going to be the church God wants us to be is if you don't do your part. Because if we all do our part, we'll be everything God has called us to be. I don't know about you, but I love God more than anything else. I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love my wife and my family next. And then I love this church. This is my church for life. And can I tell you something, church? I will never do anything to hurt this church. And if I do, you have the freedom to shoot me. <laughs> I love Kavanaugh. God's called us here and blessed us and has given us what we need to reach our world with the good news. So let's do it. Let's make a commitment today, not to the preacher, not to the staff, but let's make a commitment to God. We're going to do our part. God, you can count on me. Lord, I'm going to step up to the plate and give it all I got because I love you, I love my family, and I love my church. Heavenly Father, help us to make that commitment this morning. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. And I pray Kavanaugh would be the best church we possibly can be. That, that, dear Lord, we, we would give up our own rights and that we would no longer be selfish, that we wouldn't want it just our way, but we would do whatever it takes to see this church grow and reach people with the good news of the gospel. Help us to make that commitment today. Lord, there may be someone in this room who needs to be saved. They're like that old man. They've, they've never received Jesus as their Savior. May today be their day of salvation. If there is a believer here today that's away from you, I pray that they would come home today, Lord. But for all of us, help us to make that commitment that this is our church for life and we're, doing, we're willing to do whatever it takes to make this church grow. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? The altars are open. If you'd like to come and make your commitment to the Lord, you can come now. If you're more comfortable doing it in your pew, pray there. But make your commitment.
given us in Jesus Christ. And I thank you for Kavanaugh Church. Lord, help this church to stand as a light for you, not only in this community, but in the world. Thank you, dear Lord, for every person who is a part of our church. Bless their life, bless their family, and use us in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Just remain standing with me, okay? I've, I've kept you long, and I apologize for that. Not really, not really. Welcome Wayne and Betty Newell. Wayne and Betty are with us today. They came in from Benton. Love you guys and miss you so much. Just a couple of reminders. When you walk out the door, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes or you can give online. 6.30 tonight, we're going to have Bible study. Brother Nathan is going to be doing that. 7 o'clock Wednesday, everybody back in this room, it's teen service. Our teenagers are going to lead us in worship. Brother Nathan is going to preach for us. I'm excited about that. Will you be here for that? Come Wednesday night. It's going to be a great, great service. Tomorrow night is the Unity Association meeting. It's going to be at the First Free Will Baptist Church in Greenwood. They're going to have a real short business meeting, but a worship service. If you can attend and would like to attend, we invite you to do that. Love you guys. Man, I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for appreciating your church staff. And again, we appreciate your appreciation. We really do. I love you. The staff loves you. Most of all, God loves you. Hurry up and get out of here so you can beat harvest time to the restaurant, all right? <laughs>